This is the happy hour. You guys going to happy hour? Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Clary. C is for chunk. <laughs> Brought to you by Empire Fence and Netting on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Good afternoon, happy Thursday. This is the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick Sainert and Enrique alvarez Clary with you, as always. Uh, Rico, what's up? Hello. How's it going? Going fantabulous, sir. Anything exciting happening today? Nope. Just chilling? Yep. What did we talk about on the water cooler? I, I, I'll, be, stuff. I'll be honest. During the water cooler, I was, well, I, I went to the football press conference today. Then after after I got back, I watched, I rewatched the last 30 minutes of the Manti Teo documentary. I have to admit. Because, I, like, we were talking about it at, the, at, at Memorial Stadium today. And why are we talking about Notre Dame during a Husker football press? What is going on? Well, they, they hadn't come out yet. They hadn't come out and talked to the media yet. So either way, we were talking about it. A couple a couple TV people and I were talking and we're like, it was jaw dropping, like how everything happened and, and the whole situation. Once again, if you have not seen it, I highly recommend that you head over to Netflix untold. You just search in the search bar untold the girlfriend who didn't exist. And it's on the Manti Teo uh, situation. And, and the, the second episode is really interesting, Rico, because... And we'll get to our guest here really quickly. <laughs> the, uh, the second episode is super fascinating for me personally because it walks you through kind of how he was feeling during the draft. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I thought, holy crap, I'm not going to get drafted because I stepped up for an interview. There were hundreds of cameras and reporters there. And he's like, it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't like... A hidden, a hidden thing for me to know across my forehead. I have this is the guy who got catfished, yep. and it, it's it's truly it, it, he does a great job and, and give give credit to Manti Teo, I guess, for kind of just wearing the emotions on the sleeve while he was being interviewed about all this. Because I'm not sure I could have done it if I was catfished and it was as big of a story as it is. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. As always, four zero two four six four five six eight five the Honda Lincoln Hotline. The Starter Heyman text line, both those open for you guys the entire show, as well as the Starter Heyman Jewelers video stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, have kind of a special episode, not episode, special show today. Special edition of the Happy Hour. Exactly. So we will talk Husker football later on in the show, but first we're going to be uh, bringing in Lincoln Arneal of Husker Illustrated. He covers volleyball for the Huskers, and the I should say covers the number one Husker volleyball program. They are in the country, ranked number one overall. Lincoln, hello. Have you seen the Manti Teo documentary? No, I, as you were talking, I literally just added it to my Netflix. Good. Queue, so. It is. I, if you, I, I was telling <laughs> one Jake. One hour each episode, two episodes. Yeah. I was, I was telling Jake Sorensen this, this morning, I said, if you're going to Ireland or anybody, if you're heading to Ireland, going on a plane, it's the perfect one to download and just watch it on the plane because it, it's going to pass the time in a blink of an eye. People so, wonder why it wasn't a 30 for 30, and it's the two Deadspin guys are trashing yeah. ESPN for how bad a job they did it at vetting the story and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, this yeah. is this is probably why ESPN didn't want to didn't want to touch this one. Yeah, well, and then it comes out that like ESPN and and multiple of the the top you know sports companies, I guess if you want to call them that, or media outlets, 
reported incorrectly. Oh, they yeah. didn't. They don't have the facts all together. Three days and later, they just, four days later. Yeah, it, it's just it's remarkable to see how people just kind of skipped over the 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 dirty work, laying the groundwork to try to get the facts just to get the story out first. It's it's truly remarkable. So highly recommend. Once again, if you want to search it, we've been talking about it a lot on this station throughout our various shows. But if you want to search it, it's called Untold. The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist on Netflix. It's the Manti Teo documentary. Highly recommend. Once again, 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Starter Heyman text line. If you have any volleyball questions, Husker volleyball questions, we got the expert in here. Lincoln Arneal of Huskers Illustrated joins us. I'll, I'll kick it off with this one. Kind of a, a wild offseason, a, a little bit, I suppose. I mean, obviously, you have uh, Tyler Hildebrand and, and uh, excuse me, Schwarzenbach going to Long Beach State, um, leaving the Huskers program. And then on top of that, you have um, Keona Layakana transferring to Texas. And then just a couple weeks ago, you have the whole Kayla Caffey situation. Like, explain, walk us through this offseason and what it's kind of been like. And also, also like, what, what are the chances that this hinders Nebraska going forward a little bit? Well, I, I think it came in multiple ways, really made it interesting, too. I think you had that attrition that happened right after the season with uh, Tyler Hillebrand. I think that mm-hmm. broke maybe the day or two after the national championship match. So that was in the works. Um, a little bit surprising, but I think that you understand he's his alma mater calling him home. Yeah. So, uh, And then Callie came out the early part of January, along with the news that Nicklin Hames was returning. So you usually expect some sort of attrition, some sort of turnover to happen right after the season before the spring semester starts. So none of that was really surprising. Surprising, and I kind of mm-hmm. got the feeling that those things were going to happen. But I think what really made it interesting was Nebraska goes through the spring, kind of have this really great match uh, played out in, in uh, Grand Island, get 6,000 people there. And I think there's a lot of positive energy, positive momentum. Uh, Keanu Lea kind of played in that match. Her brother was there as a football recruit. So things were all pointing. Hey, mm-hmm. this is really going to build towards a special season in Omaha. The Kayla Caffey situation was really kind of string, stringing out the point at that point, but she was still yeah. in the arena wearing street clothes. We figured, and John Cook kind of warned us about this when she said that she was coming back for classes in January. That this is going to be a long process; it'll take a while. And even after that match, she said, "Hopefully by August to be resolved." But then, kind of that first, mm-hmm. the first domino fell with uh, Keanu Lay leaving and going to Texas going to Texas, so I know that ruffled a few feathers. Um, but then kind of the Caffey situation played out a little bit longer as well, too. And then she, the closer I got, you think that, well, what's what's taking so long? Yeah. Why is this not being resolved yet? And then, boom, she's in the transfer portal. And the next one week later, again, she's also going to Texas. <laughs> I guess I'll ask this. On a national scale, I mean, you look at the the, the programs, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Texas, are, are really the three, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's more, Stanford's probably up there as well, um, that are, are always their mainstays. Yep. It, how, I mean, how much separation is at the top between a, a couple schools, like tier, if you want to break them off into tiers, the tier one of the Nebraska, Texas, Wisconsin, Stanford's, and then tier two of the, the top, you know, five through 10 programs. How much separation is there? I think this year there is a little bit of separation, mainly, especially those top three, the the Texas, Wisconsin, Nebraska. I think there's mm-hmm. a little more uncertainty around Wisconsin and Texas because they have a lot more new parts. I mean, Texas has, I think, five or six, five transfers in. They have six freshmen. They are going to look completely different, and it's going to take a while for all those parts to come together. Wisconsin, they lost a lot of All-Americans. They're bringing in a couple uh, high-profile transfers as well. But Nebraska, I mean, Nebraska turned over, will turn over a little bit too, but I think that they have a, their core and their identity is a lot more solidified from last year 
carrying over to this year. So I think those three have really, and they were the three teams that everyone talked, who's going to be number one in that yeah. first poll. Uh, but I think there is a little bit of a step down there where you get into the Stanfords, uh, the Kentuckys, the mm-hmm. Washingtons. And I think that they'll, they'll be the very Louisville's. good. At, the Louisvilles. Thank you. To, uh, yes. Shout out to uh, Danny Busman Kelly, the head you. coach there. So exactly. They, I mean, a lot of teams, I think that was the first year, a lot of teams lost a lot as that first kind of post year with that extra year of eligibility. Okay. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty around that, but I think the teams that have proven and have the reputation, cultures, cultures built, they'll, they'll kind of rise to the top throughout this year. Mm-hmm. This is kind of building on top of that. We're speaking with Lincoln Arneal of Huskers Illustrated. Um, this is kind of building on top of that. Were you surprised at all that Nebraska came out as number one in the preseason poll, despite all of the changes? And, and as you said, they have the core returning, but the amount of uh, amount of you know players that they lost, that they were still number one, despite Texas getting more number one votes. Yeah, a little bit. And I think that that was the key point too. Is Texas got twenty seven first place votes, mm-hmm. and Nebraska's twenty four. Uh, so I think that I mean the majority of people agree that Texas is a better team, but they kind of the shuffle between uh, throwing Wisconsin in there, and I think Louisville Louisville also got a first place vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a little bit. I mean, I thought Nebraska may be a solid number two. I thought some people may give Wisconsin a little bit of credit, give them a little shine for winning the national title last mm-hmm. year. And Texas had such an infusion of talent, especially with the late breaking. I mean, adding Kayla Caffey, a second team All-American. Yeah. Uh, th- that may have kind of pushed them to the top. But, I mean, and Nebraska has a lot of – I mean, they have question marks. They have Now they have a middle blocker position. They have a setter change possibly going on too. Um, and maybe just because I'm closer and, and know a lot more of the uncertainties around Nebraska, that everyone sees, oh, Nicklin Haynes is coming back, yeah. Maddie Kubik's coming back. They're gonna, they're loaded, they're ready to go. That that sophomore class now is they they proved a lot during their first year here. So uh, I mean, I think maybe that's what earned Nebraska a little bit more credibility amongst the voters. So that 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 middle blocker position is kind of one of concern for many Husker volleyball fans. I mean, you've got Caitlin Horde, the All American, transferring in from Penn State, but then behind her, you've got the two freshmen, Maggie Mendelson and Becca Alec. Is that at all a concern for you? I mean, we've heard from from Coach Cook himself saying that those Maggie and Becca don't play like freshmen; that they're mm-hmm. one of the loudest ones in the gym. But but but, what is your take on that? I would not use the word concern. I would say intrigue. Uh, but I think because there is uncertainty there too. But I mean, you put in Kate, Caitlin Horde, she's going to be phenomenal. I mean, I, yeah. we watched her the last four years play for Penn State, and she would just put Nebraska would put blocks up, and she'd hit over them, around them. She's she is uh, a talent in the middle, and even, I mean, especially watching Becca Alec this spring. She was here. She enrolled in January, and watch mm-hmm. her go through the spring. Watch her play some beach volleyball, and also just watching her. I mean, she is physically imposing. Uh, I, I think that she's going to be a special one here during her four years in Nebraska. How soon that kicks in, I think there'll, there'll be some mistakes. Um, so I, I think that if, if she and battling with Maggie Mendelson, she's a little bit unknown. I mean, she mm-hmm. played with the uh, under-19 Pan Am Cup this summer. So I, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think it's a matter of which combination they go with and who can really kind of be more consistent or that special, especially at that second middle blocker spot between the two freshmen, Caitlin Hoare. I think she's a known quantity, known entity. She's made a big impact on the culture and leadership style of the team so far already. Okay, speaking about Ma- Maggie Mendelson, real quickly for for all of our listeners don't know, remember four zero two four six four five six eight five. If you have any questions, you can shoot them our way. Um, we're talking to Lincoln Arneal here for for of Huskers Illustrated. 
talking about Maggie Mendelson for a moment, if, if our listeners don't know, signed both for volleyball and women's basketball, is there any clarity on how that situation is going to unfold yet? Because I think that's one of the more curious um, storylines is how are they going to juggle, obviously, volleyball, the national championship is played in December, but Husker women's basketball starts late November, but you know, in with games, I suppose. Yeah, I think that volleyball will take kind of precedence during the during the fall through, gotcha. through December. Um, and, and she has five years to play four, so if they want to use a red shirt, possibly gotcha. one year, so she can focus solely. But I, I think she's ready to go, and she is a great talent. I mean, she's a nationally ranked top one hundred recruit in both. I mean, one hundred is probably a little low. She's probably top fifty, top mm-hmm. twenty five recruit for both basketball and. Uh, and volleyball too. So I, and she spent some time with the basketball program. The first part when she first got here in June, she practiced with them, worked out. Then she went away to, to go play with the uh, junior national team in their tournament. So I think she hasn't worked out a lot with the Nebraska volleyball team. Okay, but I think she played at a high level at the Pan Am Cup, and, and she was captain of that team that won the gold medal uh, in that tournament. So I, I think that there's a lot of talent there, and she. I mean, it, it may take a little bit, but I think. Volleyball will win out, and then by the time Big Ten season goes, mm-hmm. it comes around, she'll be able to go for basketball. Guys, do you want thicker, fuller hair? Do you desire lustrous, luscious locks that you can run your fingers through? Maybe a full head of hair makes you feel attractive. Perhaps a full head of hair boosts your confidence and self-esteem. Whatever your reasons, if you have started to experience hair loss, there is good news. Because there are effective, FDA-approved treatments that work. One is a prescription clinically proven to prevent further loss. The other is clinically proven to regrow your hair in two to four months. And both are available from Roman for just a dollar a day. Just complete a free online visit. Roman connects you to a U.S.-licensed healthcare professional who will work with you to find the best treatment plan. Then Roman sends everything you need right to your door with free shipping and indiscreet packaging. So guys, are you Roman ready for a thicker, fuller head of hair? Go to ro.co slash fuller. Do it today and Roman will give you 20% off your first order. That's ro.co slash fuller. Nebraska volleyball obviously has a lot of whether it's incoming recruits or even you know just players that play on the national teams, junior national teams, and things like that. How much value does that have or give Nebraska as a program for future recruiting for cur- like current recruiting? How much value does that give John Cook and power when he's not that he needs any more, but just power <laughs> when he's recruiting to be like, listen, this these are this is our track record and this is how they've performed at Nebraska. I think I mean it, it, it's a big part of the recruiting process too. I mean there was a cool photo that uh, for, before that U nineteen uh, Pan Am Cup where they had they had a, I think twenty twenty some uh, girls come in for the tryouts. Mm-hmm. Of those, seven of them are future Nebraskans. Maggie Mendelson's the one here now, but you I think there were three from the that, that are part of the twenty twenty three class and three that are part of the twenty twenty four class. So I mean it's, it's a pipeline of Nebraska recruiting anybody they want. But I think where a lot of the recruiting part comes in is looking at the elder statesmen. Yeah. The, kind of the Jordan Larsons, the Kelsey Robinsons, the Justine Wong Arantes who are playing for the the senior uh, national team too and seeing that pipeline. Because a lot of the players come in and say, I want to play in the Olympics someday or I want to play in the World Championships. Mm-hmm. And Cook can point to examples of multiple uh, players that have gone on played for the, the national team at that senior level and won gold medals and, and played at an elite level post-college. Wow. 
This is just kind of a kind of a silly question. How many years in a row is this Nebraska volleyball team going to get the number one recruit in the nation? That <laughs> <laughs> they have they had a long run of success. I think you point to that Jalen Reyes is he's the recruiting mm-hmm. guru that really kind of makes those connections and identifies who they want to uh, who they want to reach out to. They can recruit anybody they they want, and I think it it helps too that a lot of them have ties in Nebraska. I mean. Um, you look at, I mean, the current class of sophomores, the top three recruits, depending on which recruiting service you want, were from Minnesota, from Nebraska, and another one from Texas who had Nebraska ties to her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the other one, um, Hayden Kubik is ranked number one, too. Her older sister was playing in Nebraska already, mm-hmm. looking down the road. Uh, another one, Harper Murray, I mean, they plucked her out of Michigan's backyard in Ann Arbor. She's coming to Nebraska, and then they got a recruit for the twenty. I think 25 class who's from Kansas city as well too. So they, it's a little bit fortunate that volleyball is a big deal in the Midwest. So they don't have to travel very far to yeah. get a lot of these elite recruits. But I think again, going back to that track record of getting them on national teams and building the connections, not only with the Nebraska staff, but other elite girls who are playing volleyball who said, let's all go play together at Nebraska and allowing that to happen. So I'm looking at their roster right now. They have four freshmen and five sophomores. I mean, how, I mean, how well is this thing set up for the future? And and I kind of want to talk about recruiting also because we're seeing young players start to start to not only talk to colleges, but even commit, like you mentioned, 2025 recruits even. So talk a little bit about how well this thing is set up for, for years to come for Nebraska. It's set up well. And they kind of they did implement some new rules a couple years ago too where you cannot talk to or have any recruiting conversations until the summer before their junior year. So okay. they could talk to recruits in June of this summer for that or the 20. 20- 2024, 2024 is what I, I okay. should say. That's okay. That's right. 25, 25, they cannot talk to you yet until next summer. Gotcha. But so, sorry, Sky, Sky uh, Pierce, who's from Kansas City, she's a 2024 recruit. Okay. So, and she's number one, she's, she's a top 10 recruit. Because I know now. there's a lot of sticky, like sticky tape where, where they can reach out to schools, but coaches can't reach out. And like, I, I, I don't, I'll be honest, like, I don't know. It's, it's a really sticky situation. Oh, yeah. Well, and, but you look at how it used to be too. I mean, you had players committing before their freshman year. I mean, exactly. Lexi Rodriguez, she came in for that dream team camp before her freshman year and committed. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's proven to be a very good recruit. <laughs> it but worked out. The Robson yeah. twins committed yes, like Rolfson. right after their, during their eighth grade year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but I think, I mean, uh, those are great examples of it turning out well. There's a lot of examples of it not turning out well. So I think the NCAA came in and said, let's slow it down. Let's put the brakes on this, especially mm-hmm. for the females athletes who are more physically mature and realizing their talents a lot earlier in their high school career. That's what I was going to say, because like you see it across all sports with like college baseball is the perfect example where you see guys commit their freshman year of high school, but you don't know how they're going to pan out. Mm-hmm. And, and it actually ends up like, Rarely do the guys that commit the freshman year of high school actually get to commit to that school, whether it's for coaching change reasons, whether it's because the, the university pulls their scholarship because they just didn't develop the way they planned. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. So I, I always am fascinated by the recruiting rules and, and guidelines that the NCAA puts in place because it's, it's like I said, it's a lot of sticky tape work. Sometimes recruits have to be the ones to reach out and there's such, you know, dead periods where, where coaches can't talk to students or recruits, I guess. So, um, it's, it's a really sticky situation talking about this team. You mentioned Nicklin Hames comes back and Nebraska had to figure out a way to bring her back, um, to where, and, and give her credit, give, give Nicklin credit 
for being okay taking a step back and understanding that they got to move this program along with Kennedy Orr, et cetera. I mean, talk about just that adjustment for not only Nicklin, but also for Nebraska as a program working with a new setter. Yeah, I think that was, I mean, very mature. I mean, Nicklin, she was starting setter, setter for four years and mm-hmm. realized she had her turn that had COVID not happened, that's her career. She's done. So I think given the opportunity to have that bonus year really kind of like, I think she's very future oriented with that and focused on what's coming up. And I think that playing a different position um, allows her to kind of take that bigger picture of you. But a lot of that hedges on, as you mentioned, Kennedy or making sure she's healthy, making Mm -hmm. sure that she can really take the reins. I mean, she came in as a very touted, um, a touted recruit and, and unfortunately suffered a knee injury uh, her senior year of high school. And that's kind of lingered on a little bit. And gotcha. she was forced into action because of Nicklin hurting her ankle early last year and had mixed results. You could see a little bit of rust in her game a little bit at that point, but she's had another full year hoping that she can uh, get to the level where she needs to be. And, and during last year, Cook would say that she's doing things in the gym that no other setter can do. So she has that potential. She has that really high ceiling, but it's making sure that her legs, her knees are healthy enough to operate that for a full grind of a, of, of a season. So we're talking to Lincoln Arneal Huskers Illustrated. Lexi Rodriguez, All-American, Defensive Player of the Year in the Big Ten. Should have been freshman of the year, but we're not going to get into <laughs> that. Uh, where does she take a step forward? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is just her presence on the court and being kind of more of a floor leader, too. And that's one of the things they harped on. Going back to our team's our talk, discussion about national teams, she was captain of the U21 uh, team and, and the Pan Am Cup. And, that, and I think that really allowed her a chance to work on those leadership skills and kind of commanding the floor, taking control of that back row. So I think that's where... Um, that, that's where she can take that next step too, is just having directing her teammates on back row and taking charge. Um, I think that that'll lead to a better overall cohesive unit too. Uh, so, so that's where she can really take a step forward. Cause I mean, she was making, she still makes jaw dropping plays once or twice mm-hmm. a game. It's like, how did she get that? What was, what was going on that? But she made, she makes such amazing plays, but I think it's her leadership that will really elevate elevate the team I think I know it'd be interesting to see kind of her skill development just more consistency I think mm-hmm. there was a couple of times I mean everyone has freshman moments their first year out too yeah. and learning the grind of the Big Ten so I think she can make a step for that but the biggest area is her leadership and kind of owning owning the court when she's on it we're talking Huskers volleyball with Lincoln Arneal of Huskers Illustrated and and a couple more before we let you go I, I'm, I'm curious what's this team's weakness like they're ranked first in the country and the Big Ten is the best conference in volleyball, and I want to talk about kind of the expansion here in a couple minutes. But the Big Ten's the the best conference for volleyball, and not to mention the Final Four is in Omaha. So, like, what's this team's weakness, if there is one? I think we, from last year to this year, last year we saw it a lot. Is who if Nebraska needs a kill, who is getting the okay. ball to put it away? And I, I think that leads a little bit into the weakness is just the hitting efficiency of the outside hitters. It was kind of lower, a little bit lower than they want. Maddie Kubik mm-hmm. was around, I think, 240, 250. Uh, and Allie Batenhorst struggled at times. Uh, and Lindsey Krause at times with the right side side. So I think it's efficiency of their outside hitters and also – who is going to put it away? Nebraska needs a kill. They need a point. They've given up a couple, need to stop a run, or just need to put a set away. Mm-hmm. Who is getting that kill, and who's who's doing that? I'm curious, like, how will, will serving take a step back? Because I know Kiana Leocana was, was, a, was a very good server. She had those, and what, she, eight straight yeah, she, she had streaks all, all throughout the season last year. Is there a concern that that might take a step back, or, or not really? 
I, I don't think, I mean, it may a little bit, but... I, it, not noticeable. Not noticeably, no. I think that they'll find, I mean, Nicklin's a, a very good server yeah. to kind of fill in that role too, and it's a matter of who is going to serve, whether it's, uh, whether it's Lindsey Krause or Bain, like, Ali Batenhorst or Whitney, mm-hmm. if Whitney Lonson's going to serve too. I think, so I think it, from what we haven't seen, I think there's a potential. I mean, there may be a slight downgrade too, but the way Nebraska serves as a team cohesive unit, I think they'll still be pretty solid. Gotcha. Okay, last but certainly not least. This this one actually comes from the text line. This one comes from the text line, and Faisal, I, was already, I wanted to ask yep. you it. Faisal five times was wondering, and I'm going to change one word, how massive is the addition of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten for volleyball? Oh, it's big. I mean, it, it just makes the Big Ten a juggernaut. I mean, the Big Ten already before those two was one is the best conference, volleyball conference in the country, mm-hmm. too. Uh, and to add to that, I mean, they haven't been at the elite level the last few years, but they have the legacy. Um, USC, it, it should, they reloaded. They have a little bit of a down year, but they reloaded. Uh, Skylar Fields from Texas transferred there, too. Yep. They got a lot of talent coming wow. in. UCLA has been – I mean, they, they're – a perennial tournament team make this week's sweet 16. So I, I think that it, it'll be big and just kind of expand that West coast reach. I mean, you talk about one like recruiting wise too. I mean, Nebraska can recruit from anywhere, but now they can sell players from California. Hey, you can come watch us and you'll get to see in your own backyard mm-hmm. as well too. And yeah. uh, be part of the big 10 network. So I, I think that it's a big, and just as a legacy, I, I think, and uh, I, did, I did this, that of all the, of all of the national championships won, I think Big Ten teams have won, I think it's just under half of all of the volleyball championships ever contested between My Penn State and Nebraska. I mean, USC's won a couple, UCLA's won a couple. So it's it, it's a big number. I mean, I think it was 20 of the 41 yeah. volleyball championships ever contested have won by Big Ten schools that are in the Big Ten now or will be I should say if if you were a betting man Lincoln and we're, this is the last one before we let you go if you were a betting man how much would how much confidence would you put on Nebraska to win the natty oh I'm a very bad uh, gambler <laughs> so am I I'm very conservative when it comes <laughs> to putting my money on that I, I would think that uh, if you get some good odds on that th- they have a good chance. I think that they'll they have a very good chance to make it to Omaha. Gotcha. That, that's where I feel very confident they will make it to Omaha. And then once you get there, it's a matter of who who's knows high, what happens. Whether you have a six foot nine freshman who is all of a sudden unstoppable <laughs> yep. and runs through the final four and wins the MVP like Anna Smark yeah. from Wisconsin. Yeah. So when they do make it to Omaha, can you help me get my credential? Oh yeah. Okay. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> we okay. So we just got this one from uh, Texter Dirty Tony and the Boys asks, "Could you ever see men's volleyball catch on in Nebraska?" Yes, I think I think we've seen a lot of growth in the sport nationally. Indiana just added at the high school level, so I think it has to start. Okay. I think that's where it has to start. I mean, it has, high schools have to start offering boys volleyball there, and I think that uh, volleyball at the at the collegiate level for men's, I think it could follow there too. It's a very different game. Okay. Uh, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of side out serve bump set kill. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a the women's game. I think is a lot more athletic. It's a lot more enjoyable to watch whereas men's is a lot more power and uh short rallies it's a, it's gotcha. a lot of above the net play yes yeah interesting that's you, fascinating that's yeah. that's fascinating all right lincoln appreciate the time we'll definitely have you on down the road talk to you some more uh, especially once the season begins once again lincoln arneal of huskers illustrated give him a follow on twitter and make sure you're checking out all of his volleyball coverage the entire season let's go ahead and take a break when we come back we'll dive into husker football what did mark whipple and brian applewhite and the other coaches have to say today We'll talk about that, dissect it. Want to hear your thoughts all show long, 402-464-5685. We'll be right back on the happy hour on the ticket.
Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. One night, one goal. Stop suicide. On June 3rd, Washington, D.C. will host the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's Out of the Darkness Overnight Walk. Join thousands as we journey over 16 miles from dusk till dawn for a night of hope and healing while raising funds and awareness for this important cause. Register today at theovernight.org or call 888-THE-OVERNIGHT. That's 888-843-6837. 